Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 436th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world, and this is our 10th year from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, and this is the place where technology meets entertainment. It's Super Tuesday in America, which means there's um, elections in 14 states to determine the Democratic nominee against to run against President Trump, so everybody's been out to vote. It's a big day. The other big story here, of course, is coronavirus. And I guess it's a big story pretty much everywhere in the world. Coronavirus is now in over 70 countries with over 100,000 cases and over 3,000 deaths. In the, uh, in the US here, there are now coronavirus cases in 16 states with 106 cases and six deaths. And last weekend, we saw the first corona deaths reported in the US, and it's now up to six. Thailand had its first death, so did Australia. And uh, new coronavirus infections have spiked dramatically across Europe, with Italy reporting hundreds of new cases and five more deaths. And the number of cases jumped considerably in France, Germany, the UK, and uh, even in the Czech Republic. The World Health Organization's warned that if you're 60 plus or have an underlying condition like cardiovascular disease or diabetes, you have a higher risk of developing severe coronavirus. Try to avoid crowded areas or places where you might interact with people who are sick. So um, the Louvre Museum in Paris is shut. And France and Switzerland have banned any mass gatherings. South Korea's Catholic Church has halted mass at more than 1,700 churches. You've probably seen on television that professional football games are being played in closed stadiums with absolutely no spectators. The Paris Half Marathon, which is a big event, that's been cancelled. Schools and sports events are being cancelled across the world and now discussions are taking place to postpone the 2020 Olympics in Japan and they were due to start in July. So we'll see what happens. But what most people don't know is how do you know if maybe you have coronavirus and you should go to your local hospital? How do you know? Well, let me give you a couple of points. If you've got a runny nose, you've got a common cold. Don't worry about it. Coronavirus pneumonia is a dry cough with no runny nose. If you've got a dry cough with no runny nose, that's a worry. The new virus is not heat resistant. It'll be killed by a temperature of just 75 degrees Fahrenheit. It also hates the sun. So if you um, 
get into nice warm temperatures. That'll finish the coronavirus. It's interesting that it's happening in winter in most places of the world. Now, if somebody sneezes with coronavirus, it travels about 10 feet before it drops to the ground. So just because you're across the other side of the room doesn't give you any protection. And if it drops on a metal surface, it'll live on the surface for 12 hours at least. So if you come in contact with any metal surface, wash your hands with bacterial soap as soon as you can. Now on fabric, coronavirus can live for 6 to 12 hours but normal laundry detergent will kill it. So if somebody in the house has got what seems to be a cold, but you're not sure, then wash your bed linen in laundry detergent. Drinking warm water is very effective for all viruses. So any virus that you get, drink warm water, but do not drink liquids with ice. It thrives in the cold. Wash your hands frequently, as the virus can only live on your hands for about 10 minutes. But, you know, you can rub your face or pick your nose or scratch your, rub your eyes or anything, and uh, you can spread the virus or catch the virus. You should also gargle salt in warm water. The warm water is a a great deterrent for it, and I can't emphasize enough, drink plenty of water. So get into the water. So what are the symptoms of coronavirus? It will first infect the throat. So you'll have a sore throat for three or four days. The virus then blends into a nasal fluid that enters the trachea, and then the lungs causing pneumonia. Now, that's the problem. It takes about five or six days to get to the lungs and cause pneumonia, and that's what kills most people. And with that pneumonia comes high fever and difficulty in breathing. But the nasal congestion is not like the normal kind. You actually feel like you're drowning. It's an imperative that if you feel like you're drowning through nasal congestion, then seek immediate, immediate attention. So they're the things to look for. I hope this helps you understand this epidemic and uh, what to look for. So bearing in mind, we're all pretty safe. There's um, not that many cases in a pretty big population, but it's better to be safe than sorry. Now, do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? You know, we've got about 1.75 or 1.76 million daily subscribers. That's a hell of a lot of people read it. It takes just about, mm, I used to say 30 seconds, but they're getting more and more detail in them now, so they take about a minute, maybe a minute and a half. And every day we tackle a different subject. We talk about advances in medicine. We talk about new apps new technology, talk about subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain, artificial intelligence, Bitcoin, anything that um, can be of interest. In tomorrow's newsletter, we 
discuss Pornhub. And Pornhub, it's an interesting thing to talk about, but Pornhub commands 81 million visits every day. 81 million visits a day and sees more than 4 million new uploads of videos a year. But what's interesting that most people don't realize that apart from porn, in Pornhub's safe for work category, you can find entire episodes of TV shows, you can find full movies, there's some um, information today about voting. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. So my question in tomorrow's um, newsletter is, how long it will it be before Pornhub or a spin-off of Pornhub becomes another YouTube? It pays its content providers much, much, much more than um, than YouTube does. So therefore, it's much more appealing to people that create content. So it's very interesting. So you should read that, and you should know all this stuff. And uh, the Bob Pritchard newsletter delivers the latest in business stories up to two months before you get to read them in traditional news outlets. So two months. Uh, We often have people say, gee, I read about this in your newsletter two months ago. Well, that's what the newsletter's about. It's the one source that you should read for the latest news. You've probably heard about the doomsday vault that lies within the Arctic Circle on the island of Spitsbergen. It's about halfway between Norway and the North Pole, and all that can be seen from the outside of the vault is the entrance, which is a futuristic-looking A-frame building, all concrete, illuminated with blue-green fibre optic sticks in the light. It looks in the in the light and with the ice, it looks fantastic. The rest of the building stretches into the mountainside and uh, into the permafrost to keep the temperatures low. It's designed to remain at about minus four degrees Fahrenheit, which is minus eighteen degrees Celsius. It's supposed to outlast humanity. Now, the vault was built to conserve something invaluable, seeds, officially known as the Svalbard Global Seed Vault. This is a backup facility for 1,700 seed banks around the world. So what it is, it's really a time capsule of agricultural history. It's designed to safeguard the world's most important crops from catastrophe, including war, disease, and increasingly, the impact of climate change. The vault now holds seeds representing more than 5,000 species provided by seed banks from nearly every country in the world. The aim is to store a copy of every unique seed that currently exists. Its goal is to preserve crop diversity for future generations. If the global seed vault is ever open for use, it's because of a world catastrophe And, of course, the most alarming catastrophe that could befall the Earth now is the impact of climate change. And uh, the seed vault's just completed a major upgrade in an attempt to future-proof the vault against the effects of climate change. Because climate change is driving up air and ocean temperatures, it's distorting ecosystems, and it's triggering destructive feedback loops. 
and biodiversity is paying a very heavy price. Rice, wheat and corn, just three crops, account for more than 50% of the world's plant-derived calories and this lack of diversity leaves our food systems hugely at risk from disease and climate change. So if there's one thing we cannot allow to become extinct, it's the species that provide the food that sustains over 7 billion people on our planet. And every single seed in the Svalbard Global Seed Vault holds potential solutions for sustainable agriculture, solutions that are vital, vital for feeding a growing population and achieving a green transition. So read all about that. Now, my guest today is Yale Shafrir, the Chief Marketing Officer of Meat in Place, a global network of innovative meeting spaces with every design feature and amenity to make meetings as productive as possible. I spoke to Yale in Tel Aviv, very smart lady, very interesting theories about business meetings. This is Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back with Yale in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. For over the past nine and a half years or so, we've given you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting people and the... Uh, interesting and very exciting new initiatives that they're taking. You know, we talk to entrepreneurs behind these projects to try and ascertain what it is that makes them tick, what makes them unique. The last figures I saw from Silicon Valley said that over 99% of all entrepreneurs today fail. And that's because of a number of things, of course. Um, But usually it's not the idea Most of those ideas are pretty good. Failure comes down to lack of money, often. Um, Inability to run a business. Not appreciating exactly where their market is. And uh, consequently, they fail. So the people that we talk to are the ones that succeed. And so it's good for us to listen carefully, find out what it is that they do that perhaps we're not doing that we could emulate 
and make our business more successful. Yael Safria is an international business and marketing executive with extensive experience building teams and running P&Ls across multiple locations. Yael, currently the Chief Marketing Officer of Meet in Place. Meet in Place. It's a global network of innovative meeting spaces designed for an urban boutique hospitality experience. The Meet in Place philosophy is rooted in meeting science, as every design feature and amenity offered serves a unique purpose to make meetings as productive as possible. And I don't know about you, but I have spent literally thousands of hours in meetings that are totally unproductive. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, meetings seem to be a way of wasting time. Now, Yale's responsible for maintaining the company's position as a leading international brand in the business hospitality industry through innovative marketing strategy, branding initiatives, and strategic partnerships to strengthen awareness to meet the place and its core values. Now, previously, Yale served as Vice President of International Partnerships at PlayBuzz, which is a Disney-backed storytelling platform. I have Yale on the phone. Hi, Yale. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Network. You're being heard right around the world. Hi, Bob. Happy to be here. Thank Go you. In today's digital world, why are face-to-face -face business interactions important at all? Why can't we just do everything? You know, my, my son works at Google and, and uh, the last time I went up to Google and was walking through their campus, the um, connectivity and the, all the tricks they've got for phenomenal um, digital communication across the world is phenomenal. It's just like being in the same room. So why do you need face-to-face -face business interactions? So I totally understand the question. I use Google Hangouts all the time, as well as Skype and other communication, Zoom and other communication platforms. Yeah. But what we're saying uh, is that uh, these does not, these do not replace face-to-face uh, -face meetings for a number of reasons. Um, when you meet face-to-face, -face, it has specific added values, like the ability to connect, to get to know people, to have a break for the meet from the meeting, and actually. Uh, get a lot of value from the break, sometimes even more uh, than from the meeting itself, uh, to brainstorm, to share knowledge. And what I want to say is, um, having participated with uh, in a lot of um, Google Hangouts uh, meetings and Slack channels, and though and and every, I guess a lot, not 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 sure every possible um, digital communication, but a lot of them, and I've I've not seen people really wanting to extend the conversation and deepen the dialogue. But usually, you know, they want to, uh, to, um, to get to the end of the conversation and make it, you know, uh, as concise as possible, rather than open a discussion that will potentially bring the next big thing to uh, either their team, their management, uh, whatever the forum is. Yeah, um, Elon Musk, as I'm sure you know, mm -hmm. says that meetings should involve no more than four to six people. Anyone who's not mm -hmm. contributing should get up and leave, and the meeting shouldn't go for more than five to ten minutes. 
What do you think about that philosophy? Yeah. Seems yeah, to so work for him. The, <laughs> so, yeah, you can argue with that, right? Uh, and also we have uh, Bezos uh, uh, claiming that uh, um, the number of participants should not exceed uh, the uh, two, two, two pizza trays, right? Uh, right? The people who would be fed from two pizza trays. So I'm familiar with those theories. Um, basically, agree with them, but I do want to mention that there are very like there are different types of meetings. There are the ones that are like morning stand-ups, and you know, um, as hinted by their names, it's short and um, short-term as well. Yep. Um, and then you have, for example, you have uh, team offsite, where the the goal is to get the team together to get them to do some strategic uh, thinking. Usually it means that they need to go out of the office to get away from their daily routine, from their uh, pressing uh, tasks. And, you know, first of all, get to know each other because collaboration is in the essence of a successful team. So first of all, get to know each other. Once people are aware of the common interests of, you know, where everyone is coming from, that the dialogue between them would be uh, much better. Yep. Then, you know, you want to sometimes uh, think outside the box, right? You have, we have a, a reality that is very challenging. Um, you know, a lot of things are happening and companies, because the growth is so uh, fast, you know, they need to be um, where, I mean, I mean like uh, fast-growing companies yep. um, um, have to respond also to market changes rapidly. And so when you go to these off-sites, you need to look at the, the landscape, you need to think together as a, as a team, you need to be positive, you need uh, to share knowledge, you need to do a lot of, you need to enhance decision-making, you need to do a lot of things that are not really possible uh, on a digital platform. You know, you can sit and do, like, uh, have a conversation on a digital, uh, like, like we are having right now, let's say for, for half an hour, for an hour, but will we do it for four hours, talk over the phone? Yeah. I guess not. And sometimes you need a longer uh, time to really um, do, uh, go into uh, a deep dive, to do some strategic thinking, to summarize the last quarter, the last month, uh, look into the next one. So these things take time. And because they take time, they need a different uh, approach. Do you think that meetings, face-to-face meetings, just drag on and drag on because there's so much interaction between people. I always, I always think of you know the first meeting between um, John Kennedy and Khrushchev. Um, they discussed nearly every problem in the world, and the meeting went for an hour and a quarter. So, if you if you get straight down to the point and get into it, um, meetings can be quite quick. But it seems that once you get into a room and you start eating donuts and drinking coffee and doing all that stuff, that they just drag on and and um, time's pretty precious these days. Uh, totally agree with that argument too. And then it, you know it always depends on the target. If the, sometimes you know you will uh, uh, hear a lot of uh, business people saying that you know the biggest deals are closed over uh, you know uh, drinks and and, and and dining drinks, right? Rather than in a in a closed office, and you will hear also um, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs talking about their first meeting uh, when they kicked off a great idea. 
Usually it was not over Skype or over the phone. Uh, it was a face-to-face meeting. Yeah. And it, it all depends on, on, the, on the target. If the target is to close uh, um, a simple uh, task and to decide whether to go this way or that way, and there's no, not, not much to, you know, to look into, then five minutes should do. But if, uh, and, and I'm, we're not suggesting, like Meeting Place is not suggesting that every meeting should be face-to-face, not at all. We definitely uh, suggest to choose the occasions where you, um, you, you meet face-to-face. Other, if you don't do that, then you just, uh, you know, we, we get bad reputations for, meeting, uh, for meetings. Meetings are currently, as you're saying, are perceived uh, as a waste of time. And our goal is to change this perception and turn it into uh, the X factor in company success. Right. And in order to do that, uh, definitely not every meeting should be face-to-face. Definitely we shouldn't have that much meetings. You know, companies are spending a lot of time on useless meetings. So part of what we do is to help companies structure their meetings. In example, uh, when people are coming for a, a lot of, Meetings that people are doing in, uh, at meeting place are, are a full day or even sometimes two and three days. Right. So a lot of people are coming in, carrying their baggage, whether it's uh, a two hours commute or three trains that they lost or, you know, an argument with their family, whatever it is. Yep. And we are now, um, we developed a digital mindfulness sessions to help people come down and restart and be able to focus on you know, this day that it's full of um, strategic thinking that could be tiring and, and definitely demand their focus. And we understand that, you know, that, that, that in order to uh, have this focus in the meeting, we need to do something. So we thought about these mindfulness sessions. And then we are seeing, uh, you know, people that are not comfortable uh, to see the full day. So we tested 100 chairs and we chose the one, the ergonomic chair that would be really convenient. And we also recommend to people to shift from a, a classic conference room to, to a conference room to a, to a salon. So, you know, the change in the environment after lunch or after, you know, whenever they need it yep. is also helpful in maintaining this engagement. There are lots of challenges. By the way, some of them are because people are used to um, uh, texting each other, right? And then right. going back to face-to-face meetings is tough for them because they don't have the habit. Like, you know, um, uh, prior generations, we used to have the... the, um, A- the Ability um, to talk to each other. <laughs> right, right. And they know that, you know, you and I, we want to stick to each other, then we'll do a sp- small talk, we'll... You know, read about each other, kind of, you know, who we're and know who we're talking to. But you know, when you're focused on texting, whether it's Skype or or, or Slack or or WhatsApp or whatever it is, we find it we we find it hard for people to really structure their meetings. So, for example, we are suggesting which icebreakers to use to get the team engaged in a, in, in in a discussion. Because if the team didn't do an icebreaker and didn't talk about themselves, which is what people always wanted to do, but this Y generation, even even more than um, uh, older generation, then they will not be engaged with the meeting because they didn't say anything about themselves uh, yet. Right. right? So, so, so our job is to research this and come up with solutions. 
So what are, what are your tips for the most productive meeting? Does it depend on the type of meeting that is being held or does it depend on something else? If I want a really productive meeting, what are some of the guidelines that I need to take into account? So, uh, first of all, everything always depends on the target. So if and, and also it depends on, on the, the type of meeting. Right. So you mentioned like the forum totally counts. Like if you want to have uh, a short, um, concise meeting, you need to make sure that you invite the right attendees and not too many of them. Yes. Uh, and then and then you need to choose where, where to hold the meetings, uh, where to have the meetings. Sometimes, you know, you just, if, if it's a, a simple meeting that's happening uh, very often, then you have it in the office. But if it's some, something that you need to have the attendees fully focused uh, and you need to have uh, the team connected, then uh, I guess you should consider taking the meeting off-site. And then it's also about, like, you know, every aspect counts. It's, today, it's actually uh, we're chatting at the end of the second day of our own off-site. Right. So we, we implemented in these two days something that's super tough for everyone, including ourselves. And we just had phones and laptops outside the meeting. And what happened is, and this is my number one tip actually, is that people were much more engaged. There were no setbacks. You know how even like two minutes on your phone and you, you know, you missed one important uh, um uh, uh, sentence yep. and then whatever you're saying is off topic or and then the whole discussion starts going you know in, into different directions whereas if nobody uses his phone and everybody is concentrating on what uh, concentrated on what's being said uh the, um, the discussion is at a different level and i this is my my number one recommendation another one is mindfulness uh, i know it's not it's it's perceived as not for everyone. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, a meditation freak myself, but I do notice that we need this few minutes break to relieve the stress that we're living in. Yeah. I heard this amazing uh, lecture by uh, Professor Richard Boyatzi, who wrote a book uh, about, um, it's called Helping People Change, and it's talking about... Um, it's talking about many things, but one of the things he says is that, you know, we're all living in unbelievable pressure. And, um, you know, some people say they thrive under deadlines and so, but uh, he says, uh, do not believe them. And yeah. so what he suggests as part of the ideas uh, for, for stress relief is, is uh, mindfulness sessions. So we really implement just five to ten minutes mindfulness sessions, but I do believe it makes a difference. And I believe also that part of us wanting to change business culture um, based on meeting science, by the way, so strategy to research and learn and, and collect data in our own venues. Uh, so part of this is helping people really um, re reduce the stress in their day-to-day -day and help them uh, enjoy their their work life. Right. So number cool. two is... is uh, mindfulness and that makes then, sense. Uh, yep. a, a, an unexpected one and I'll, I'll end with this because there are many more uh, is uh, to consider also the breaks sometimes the most important things are happening when people are not meeting but are there for a meeting but I mean 
they are in a meeting, but they are in the break between in between sessions. And um, collaboration uh, w- between people is a wonderful thing, and usually comes with amazing results. So don't forget those moments. How often should you have a break? Again, depends. Um, the usual person will need a break every 45 minutes. If they are more senior, I mean, like take, uh, understand, um, you know, that they need it or, or just take more responsibility then an hour and a half should work. And then usually people will have to have a break, especially if their, their phones are out and their, uh, laptops are out, then I would <laughs> recommend like really like no more than one and a half hours. Okay, so if you the typical old system of start at eight and have a coffee break at ten thirty and then break for half an hour lunch at one and then an afternoon coffee break at three thirty, um, those sessions are really a bit long. I think people today don't really don't really uh, um, have these long sessions. People are taking. You know, you know the term bio break, right? It's something something that everybody uh, uh, have between sessions, and I'm sure that it's not like uh, um, like like it's it's way shorter than uh, morning, lunch, and afternoon. Yeah. When you have breaks, is food and coffee and things a good idea? Does that does that help? keep everybody awake and stimulated or does it actually detract from the meetings? Um, uh, you know, in a normal business environment, I would say meals are part of, of the drill. Right. Uh, people also, you know, it's enjoyable and it's also most people need it to function. So I, I guess it makes sense to involve food. But I think it also makes sense that once you're done with the food, you take it out. So the idea is is um, to keep distractions away. Yeah. So they can't just keep grazing. Yeah. So it's like not constant eating and uh, also maybe not too heavy. Uh, but, you know, another thing we, we tested and we're not sure where we're, we're going to continue, but um, we... You know, we're researching post post uh, lunch fatigue, mm-hmm. and so we start. And you know, and it's, uh, researchers are showing that two hours after lunch, uh, blood sugar levels are dropping, and people are in you know need of uh, a sweet bite. Um, and you know, being uh, having having offices in in uh, New York, uh, London, and Tel Aviv, we are definitely aware of uh, people's. Um, uh, diet uh, habits and you know yes. there need to be to eat healthy and so we tried different sweet bites but now we're coming to a conclusion that um, not sure that we want to interrupt the meeting you know sometimes we interrupt you, you, you we just want to you know to get them the sweet bite and you know not uh, um, uh, interfere with the conversation of course and make it as short as possible but just and, and also uh, notify in advance but um, from the feedback we're getting, and this is one of our research channels, uh, the feedback from our own guests, um, sometimes, you know, you can control the moment you're entering. And sometimes um, uh, this moment could be an important one. And you don't want to interrupt a moment 
definitely yeah. not with uh, something that will distract people from this um, uh, important conversation they were having. So I'm not sure we're going to continue. Uh, but I can keep you posted. But definitely people need to eat. <laughs> when Years and years ago when I was running a reasonable size business, when I wanted to have an impactful meeting with maybe a couple of people, no more than, say, two other people, I used to always um, get out of the office and say, let's go for a walk. Let's, let's go walk around the lake or walk up the street or walk around the park or do something. Get out of the office, change the at- environment, change the atmosphere, change everybody's attitude, and that used to work extremely well. So is that, is that a good... Was that just me wanting to get up and go for a walk that made me think it went well, or is it because you actually changed the environment that did encourage better communication? Well, walking meetings are my favourite too. I think it's awesome. I think it gets you stimulated by everything that's happening around you, and it works great. Um, I am like we are uh, looking to adopt walking meetings as part of what we do, like have specific routes we recommend. And uh, I do think, uh, you know, I don't know if it was, um, uh, you know, um, just a thought or your research, but uh, it's definitely a good idea in my opinion. Uh, what's happening, and is it not every every meeting um, is relevant for a walking meeting? Sure. For example, if sure. you're two people, obviously it's, I, I'm with you. It's the best for me too. Um, by the way, uh, Professor Boyatis, when he talks about um, uh, means for stress relief, um, having uh, a walk in the park is one of them. Having an intimate conversation is also uh, one of them. So it's both uh, fruitful and um, uh, relieving uh, stress. Yes. So two birds, one stone. Uh, I love it. But uh, in many meetings, you have uh, more than two at- uh, attendees. And that's becoming uh, harder to uh, walk with. And also, uh, the one big thing is that we all rely on screens. So if it's something that we need uh, our screens for, then I think is where we come to play. Yeah, sure. So what um, is there a specific type of room layout or a specific type of venue that lends itself better for creative, open discussion than any other? In a way, you know, creative is always, uh, you know, you you can uh, be creative about how to be creative, but uh, what we find is that our clients that are more to the creative side tend to take our salons, which are less formal. It's kind of, you know, sofas and uh, couches and are more... you know, conservative clients um, uh, prefer the classic conference room. Right. And we also have rooms that combine the two. Or we can, uh, we, you can have a deal that combines two different rooms to change the atmosphere, like you just mentioned, or uh, to have different parts of the discussions. Let's say we have something that is a presentation, uh, first part that is a presentation part, then you take the classic room, and then you want to brainstorm, then you move to another room. So, yeah. In my day, (laughs) I'm giving away my age here, but we had typical 
office situations. And uh, today, going back to Google, for example, um, it's a totally different environment, much more open, much more relaxed, much just a, you know, you can decorate your, your area whichever way you want. You know, people have palm trees and people have all sorts of things, which is conducive yeah. to them working well. Um, so is there a, a big gap between, if you've got um, half a dozen sort of senior executives that are the grey shirt, grey suit, grey mind 60-year-olds, and you've got a bunch of 20 to 30-year-olds, is um, is it possible to sort of set an environment that's conducive to both or is there really a big gap? So judging by our clients, I think we were able to find um, a setup that is relevant for different clients. Our, our setups are... Now we have this Scandinavian-inspired interior, which means that it's relatively calm. The idea is to help to, to allow uh, the meeting uh, take the focus rather than the design. So I do think we have a beautiful design, but uh, the, the concept of the design is um, to allow uh, the focus on the meeting. And I think we found... Uh, like a balance between it, it definitely doesn't look um, you know old-fashioned or or uh, or conservative but it's not too um it, it fits also we have clients like uh, i don't know jp morgan or citibank and we also have the facebook and the googles and the wix and so i think we found uh something that is well balanced i also want to say one thing that i think is important and it's part of our dna our our venues or our prices are very compatible and the idea is to move from the traditional way where you know we used to have only only management teams uh, having off-site and strategic away days and where we have uh, um, uh, opportunities that are less costly to take uh, your teams for an off-site then actually we're saying you know stop like we are telling companies to not continue having offered only for management, but actually take this budget and divide it into the different teams and have like 10 teams offsite instead of one management team. And right. the reason we're saying it is that we're seeing uh, millennials becoming uh, the, already the majority of the workforce. And in 10 years, if I, uh, uh, my stats are accurate, it's around 70%. And millennials, are think, I think, are bringing a good thing to this world and they want uh, not only to be on the phone and answer the, answer the emails, they want to be uh, involved in uh, the bigger picture, in the strategic decision-making, they want to be heard, they want to develop their career path. And with this uh, demand from uh, our human resources, uh, I think companies need to, uh, to change the, the, the way uh, they are um, treating off-site meetings and and even management, you know, mid-level management is becoming a growing uh, power in organizations. Right. So we want to see ourselves as enablers of a new uh, business culture that get and involves and engages bigger uh, parts of the organization because we believe it will make them, these organizations, more successful. And we believe that it will help them not only win the talent, but also engage them and retain them. I've read 
several times, um, many times over the years, that if you have a meeting in a room that is grey, then it's much less conducive to um, um, creativity and an energetic meeting than a room that's not grey. Do you do you find that colour of the environment makes a difference? I'm sure it does. Like I know, for example, that we are looking into natural light. Uh, our venues usually, you know, we we're located in London too, but uh, we try to have big windows. Um, yeah. Also, we our, our venues are on the floor, first floor to bring in the, the street vibe and to make people that are, you know, closed in a room for a full day feel this energy coming in. We have um, our, our uh, screens. Um, we use, we have a partner called Leo and we use their uh, digital art. So before the meeting, before the presentation starts, we have um, the screens with uh, this beautiful digital art moving. And, uh, and I totally understand um, uh, this, what you're t- talking about, that if the, the room is gray and like lacking inspiration, of course the reaction of the people in the room would be accordingly. But if the room is too colorful, it might distract uh, the, uh, you know, people's um, attention to, to other things rather than the discussion itself. So as always in life, it's about the balance. How many meetings is too many meetings? Um, I definitely agree that there is too many meetings. I think uh, people should be responsible for their time and schedule meetings when they really need to either reach decisions that are of importance, that need, you know, when, when you need to uh, weigh uh, the different directions to go to and choose the right opportunity, and then you need to hear people out. Uh, when you need to brainstorm, brainstorm is very difficult uh, uh, to do if you're uh, on, on, on digital. Uh, if you need uh, to, uh, to, bond, to to get uh, teams to bond, then definitely go uh, online and go off-site. Um, decisions, uh, and, you know, and, and sharing knowledge could be done uh, not in a face-to-face meetings, but it depends. If it's uh, more complex, then people will not be engaged if they're not face-to-face. And also, if, if they are face-to-face, make sure to implement the right methodology. But overall, I would say, I can share, say what I do. I have uh, weekly meetings with people that I need uh, to know what they're doing, really, and I have uh, depends on the phase of what we're doing. I have between bi-monthly and monthly meeting with uh, the wider circles that I'm collaborating with. Right. But I do believe that uh, having these, um, and I try not to cancel them, and I do believe that having these meetings, and I used to uh, also now, but uh, in my prior, in my former job, I used to run people in five different uh, geos. So I do believe that uh, these meetings count. And I do count, and I do think that people are waiting for them as long as they're held in the right way. And um, um, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a big believer in in meeting each other. We have people listening to to us from all around the world. Are you guys global, or are you just in some certain areas? Or um. So thank you for this question. We have six venues, uh, three of them in New York, two in London, and one in Tel Aviv. Uh, 
Right. We're planning to open 15 more this year uh, in the U.S., not only in New York, in Europe, not only in the U.K., and maybe a couple in Tel Aviv. But um, we, are, we are a global company, and our goal is uh, to, to grow, I guess, exponentially in a way. <laughs> have, you got any, have you got any figures that say that um, meetings held through you guys are much more efficient, get better results than people who organize their own? Um, so, for, first of all, some people organize their own at meeting place. Uh, We're working on uh, such data. We do get amazing reviews. We do have um, a big portion of clients coming back for more meetings. Uh, we have a lot of clients recommending us to... Um, to other new clients, um, you know, we have clients with that, for example, uh, um, work in a specific organization, and then they bring all the other departments to hold their meetings, events, and offsites at Meeting Place. So we do uh, understand that people um, understand what we're about. They understand how we encourage uh, focus and productivity. And we are um, uh, collecting some data in order to be able to uh, put out these KPIs and show how we really help in numbers. Yale, thank you very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To contact Yale and find out more about her extraordinary efforts, go to Yale at Yale Shafria on Twitter and on LinkedIn. That's Yale, Y-A-E-L. S-H-A-F-R-I-R on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more information about Meet in Place or to book a room or just discuss the pros and cons of the way you should hold your meeting, go to meetinplace.com. So that's meetinplace.com. I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 436th Bob Pritchard Straight Turkey No Bullshit Business Radio Show. 
And we're coming at you on Voice America Business Network. And we're broadcasting from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood in California, the entertainment and technology capital of the world. Now, do you have a ring doorbell? Millions and millions and millions of Americans have ring doorbells. And uh, did you know that the video that records and transmits to your smartphone, that's recorded. So it's terrific to be able to see who's at the door, but all that information is actually recorded and stored. Ring has partnered with over 661 police departments nationwide, and they're providing tools for police to request footage from Ring cameras for any reason that they choose. So the police can um, just request the footage, and it's provided to them. Now, they have footage of everything that happens on the, around the front of your house. And uh, call me a conspiracy theorist, but on the, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the revelation that Clearview, a company called Clearview, has catalogued every photo that's ever been put on social media, as well as all driver's licenses, mug shots, and almost every other photographic database. And this causes me great concern in the long term. Clearview's got billions of photos of everybody at all different angles, taken at all different sorts of events. So they only need a small glimpse of a face to put it through their algorithms and identify the person. So they can just get a snap of small party face and identify who the hell it is by going through the billions and billions and billions of photos that they have. Now, when you think that Ring has a 270-degree detection range and the camera streams and records video in pretty high resolution and supports two-way talk with noise cancellation, and it also has night vision up to 30 feet. So... There are many millions of consumers who already have a Ring camera in their homes. So what if Ring links up in some way with Clearview? It means that every person picked up by the Ring camera outside millions and millions and millions of properties right across America, whether you're walking up to the door or even just walking up the street, you can be instantly identified. Now, a lot of people will say, well, if you've got nothing to hide, it shouldn't bother you. But there's something about walking down the street and being filmed every step along the way that bothers the hell out of me. I don't know why. I'm not sure. But now... Let's think about that in terms of hackers. We all know that the Internet of Things is vulnerable to hacks. Now, we hear about people getting hacked through their fridge and through their toaster. There was the casino in Vegas that got hacked through the fish tank in the foyer. So when hackers can hack the White House and they can hack the Pentagon, then they can certainly hack Ring 
doorbells. And Ring's been hacked. Clearview's been hacked. They downloaded millions of um, files from Clearview. So think about this one. Ring collects footage from millions of homeowners' devices and they store it for 60 days, minimum. They tell you they store it for 60 days, but who knows? It might be there in five years. Now, that footage that they've shot has kids coming home from school, mum and dad coming home from work, housekeepers coming and going. You don't have to be that smart to work out what time somebody's home and what time somebody isn't, or who's likely to a certain house or where the kids are going to be home alone at a certain time of the day. So whenever you have a treasure trove of information like footage of people's homes, that footage is going to be a target. Now, you might want it to be. Of course, you don't. But hackers are sitting there saying, how easy is this? We can find out when somebody's going to be home in millions of homes across America and just break in when we know they're not going to be home. We know that you've got two kids because you can hear the video, the voice, you know what the kids' names are if they're talking to each other. You know little secrets that people might talk about as they walk up the driveway. You know, it can be also argued that the Technology is very unfair to neighbours and bystanders who are unwittingly recorded by the doorbell cameras. So doorbell cameras, I'm not sure that they're such a good idea. Now, Ring sells video doorbells, outdoor cameras, lots of other security devices, also offers a neighbours app that it pitches as the new neighbourhood watch. The Neighbourhood app connects local residents to help them find lost pets, view crime alerts in the area, share details of thefts or whatever people might deem suspicious activity. Police departments sign up with Ring and then can look at posts on the Neighbours app. They can also ask Ring if any Neighbours users are willing to share video clips in a certain area for a certain time frame. So, you know, ring cameras and the Neighbours app can and do help solve crimes. Anything we can utilise in helping identify how a crime was committed, maybe who committed the crime, where the crime was committed, these are all things that are very important. So video doorbell can be a convenient way to keep an eye on your front yard. However, it can also be a major issue. It um, records every interaction and movement happening at the user's front door and alerts users' phones. This can be extended as government surveillance, police surveillance. It can breed paranoia. It can be a real problem. So I've tried to give you both viewpoints. Ring's a wonderful tool to catch bad guys, but it could also be a big privacy risk. Remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Get out of the way. 
It is easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Anybody can do the ordinary. The world's full of ordinary people. Do you want to be ordinary? I don't. I want to be as unordinary as I can get. So bite off more than you can chew. Chew like hell, and you might be surprised just how successful you can be. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful. The alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard, broadcasting from Hollywood, California, the entertainment and technology capital of the world. I thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.